I'm Richard Dodd, and you're listening to the Ecology Academy podcast. This is a show where we get to talk and learn about all things ecological, including interviews with top ecologists, both employers and employees, those working with ecologists, and also aspiring and inspiring career-seeking individuals setting out to make a difference. The show aims to provide you with insights, advice, and inspiration to help you succeed and excel as an effective ecologist and to make a real difference to our natural environment. Hi there, and welcome to the Ecology Academy podcast and a happy new year to you all. Hope you've had a wonderful break. And just to introduce myself, Richard Dodd, I am an ecologist. I am a managing director of an ecological consultancy. And if this is your first time to the podcast, a very warm welcome from me. Now, if you are returning, hopefully you've had a wonderful break and um, you're getting something out of these podcasts themselves. If you are, please do let us know. If there's something that a burning topic you want us to discuss, let me know and email us at hello at ecologyacademy.co.uk and we can you, you'll get your topic on there. So this month is January and January is usually the month where we sort of focus our attention upon what we want to achieve for the year. Now you may have made some New Year's resolutions back um, at the end tail end of last year in 2022 and uh, you think about okay well I've set those goals now or of, of my aims and objectives what how do I implement them because that's the most important part so all these plans all these dreams or aspirations fantastic we need something like that to, to write them all down but now we're in January, you've got to start acting upon these. You've got to start actually implementing some of the plans, the sort of um, aspirations you have for 2023. So we're going to give you a few tips of how to do that in this podcast itself. So, and if it's say, if you're, new, if you're new to this podcast, go back and listen to a few of the other episodes, delve in. Let us know what you think about them as well. Just to um, give us a little bit of feedback in terms of what you found interesting. What you didn't find interesting is also important to us as well. So we can actually move away from those areas. But let's have a look at the sort of um, how we can implement sort of the, the training we need to actually develop as an ecologist um, ourselves. And, you know, I've been an ecologist for what, 20 plus years. The way I um, train and develop myself has changed over the years. You know, at my early stage of the, my career, it was more focused upon the technical skills. Uh, so learning about um, species surveys, habitat surveys, finding out, you know, field identification skills, what are the right methodologies for undertaking certain ecological assessments. And also learning about myself in the way I learn and develop myself. You know, am I sort of more of a... Um, People have to, you know, I'm more of a, I, I learn really through demonstration. I think that's the, uh, certainly the technical skills elements. That's the really important to me. But also that's changed over the years and now become a sort of um, more self-aware and able to take, you know, I do a lot of background reading. I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. Uh, so to help me develop, I've also have a mentor or a coach. And so all these different things enabled me to sort of develop and keep developing. So don't think that learning is just the first few you know, years of your ecological career. It is certainly that you should take throughout your career. Anyway, enough about me. Let's have a look about actually developing you as an ecologist. Whether you're thinking of becoming an ecologist, you are in your early stages, your, uh, you know, your mid-career, advancing career, this podcast is for you. So let's start about what we consider is to be competent at something. 
So Saim has got this great um, production, uh, this, um, uh, um, uh, yeah, this leaflet, this brochure about competency framework. And it's a brilliant one because what I wanted you to take away from here is uh, how they define how you know you're competent. So how do you know you're good at something? So it's important. And how do others know you're good at something? And how you can demonstrate that upon to, to someone that you are competent or equally so on a CV, for instance, or maybe in an application form that you're considering putting together at this time of year. So they are, and I totally agree with this, that you can say that you are competent if you know what to do, you know how to do it, you know when to do it, you know why you're doing it, you can consistently, well, you can consistently do it well, and you know when to seek help and advice. And I think that's great. So I'll just repeat those. So you know what to do, you know how to do it, you know when to do it, you know why you're doing it, you can do it consistently well, and you know when to seek help and advice. And I think that's brilliant advice, you know, in terms of um, how you know you can be competent. So let's have a look about developing sort of, you know, what skills do we need to focus upon in order to become competent at a certain level and there are different levels of competency as well. You know, you can know something in its basic format, or you could be an expert, you know, with your authoritative figure upon sort of the, in each of these areas. So you can be a competent as a, as a beginner, but also you can be competent as I say, an expert, an authority figure upon a certain topic as well, as well. So what are those skills we need to focus upon? Well, it's down to you, you know, you, know, you will have your own individual learning plan and what you want to achieve this year and what's achievable. I mean, using that SMART framework or SMARTER framework, S-M-A-R-T-A -A, uh, framework is going to be important to actually um, focus your attention upon this year. So the skill, uh, so just to let you know, um, we we offer a training upon the skills wheel assessments and I'll put that for free in this download itself. So I also download this. So, so if you go to the show notes, there's a link there. You can download the skills wheel um, for free. And the skills wheel is literally, it's, it's just, it, it's, a, it's a, a guidance into sort of the different levels that I see. And uh, based upon the, the same skills and transferable skills, technical skills and transferable skills, uh, competency framework document there. So um, I'm not going to read them all out, um, but the technical skills, they do cover like habitat and species survey design. There's habitat and species identification uh, as well. So uh, and preliminary ecological appraisal, um, how you want to take that. There could be a preliminary root assessment, for instance. So and But also in our skills wheel, we've also put in now biodiversity, biodiversity net gain. So these are all technical skills that we need as ecologists and are focusing upon so in order to deliver a service on behalf of our clients. Okay, so when, that, when we're talking about ecological consultancy skills. So uh, yeah, habitat and species survey design, um, there's the habitat and species identification, premium ecological appraisal, you're more likely to want to take those in your first few years. And as you advance, it's going to be ecological impact assessments, perhaps. And certainly now we're getting into biodiversity again. And by the end of this year, it's more than likely, hopefully will be mandatory in around about um, autumn, around about October of this year, mandatory to achieve that 10%, a minimum of 10% net gain. So go back and listen to the wonderful podcast we had with Nick White on the biodiversity net gain and the biodiversity metric itself there. Ecological appraisals. Um, we had an interview with uh, Paul Lossie uh, about a UK habitat classification system and ecological appraisals in general. That was a really, really good one. 
We've also had in terms of species design as uh, or habitat methodologies. Um, um, we you know we're looking at um, the BTO um, acoustic pop pipeline. So that that was another podcast we had in pre last year, 2022. So the technical skills we all know about. We all know how to learn about them. There's probably a lot of courses out there, including our own. You know, so you know, don't <laughs> we do offer the ecological appraisal course and wildlife legislation and uh, report writing? I'm sure you've seen them all. I'm not going to go on about them. There are there if you want to help and advice on there. There are others out there as well. I don't mind unashamedly. There are others out there who do provide that training too. Um, but we offer, let's say, that full online experience, and we're starting now to actually implement those in a sort of a hybrid fashion too. So there's your technical skills um, themselves. There's also, of course, transferable skills, and I'm going to focus a little bit more attention this podcast on those transferable skills. So what are they? Well, they could be include a range of things like health, safety, and well-being. Okay, making sure that you are safe, making sure that others are safe on site, and also maybe members of the public and uh, you know other people that may be actually on site itself. So you need to know your responsibility and the responsibility of others themselves. There's of course now a broad aspect of this is about communication. Now communication could cover a wide range of things. It covers all those technical skills themselves because communication is both uh, is both about um, uh, you know it, it's um, listening that's that's the reason why we have two ears one mouth you know we need to listen probably twice as much as we sort of um, act and i think that's the art of really great communication is the ability to understand and um, take advice and uh, you know uh, un uh, come up with an informed decision so communication that includes report writing, emails, how you deal with clients, how you deal with yourself and your colleagues. And it's, it's, it's a massive topic. In with that, there's project management. How do you get from stage A to stage B in the most effective and productive way? Uh, information management, how you hold data um, in terms of um, acquiring it, interpreting it, analyzing it, and then also the advice you give out itself. And really what's overlooked I think really is about people management because regardless of whether you do, you are you know an extremely introvert or an extrovert there's going to be some sort of people management you know you can manage yourself for instance or you may be maybe part of a team how you interact with a team but also I mean how we how we advance our careers it's something that you know we we may be taking on extra responsibility for maybe mentoring or coaching, demonstrating to colleagues, there may be opportunities as you advance your career, particularly go through, if you look at like a linear uh, ladder, you know, a, a process, you know, we go from us like an early career ecologist to assistant, to consultant, to senior, to principal, to associate and director, you know, this journey and at each of these elements now, there's going to be some requirement for you to undertake some sort of people management. Now, how you go about that? is poorly defined in my opinion. Um, we are sort of expected to just pick it up on the job. You know, a bit like, you know, we, we go on training courses to undertake um, Great Crested Newt surveys, bat surveys, um, botanical work. You know, we know that we are limited in terms of our own knowledge and experience. And so we go on training courses to, get, to gain that knowledge, gain the experience in order to then become, you know, competent at those skills. But people management, you know, People assume we can communicate to other people, we can manage people because you've been managed yourself. And part of that is certainly, you know, surely to just about um, mirroring behavior that your line manager 
you know, provides. You know, surely that's just the way you do it. Or it, it maybe even worse than that, you're just expected to do it. You know, you may not have a, a great line manager. I'm sure most of you have. You know, a line manager. Uh, by the way, for those who don't know what a line management is, so a line manager is someone who actually is there to support you, advise you. Um, in terms of your own career development, also in terms of your own knowledge and understanding, guide you, maybe correcting you at certain stages, but certainly ensuring that you develop as, a, as an individual within the, your company or as yourself. So, you know, if you're a sole trader, for instance, where do you get that from? Where do you get that management experience from? It's something that you probably have to take internally unless you go on some sort of training course. Now, I've seen quite a few training courses out there for people management, and they range. They, there's a there's a whole range of different sort of courses out there, and I say some of them take you from, you know, being a, a first line manager. So this is someone who you you may have some responsibility to actually mentor, maybe one of your colleagues, for instance. So you know, first line manager is the first port of call. So you are there to actually say to mentor someone, and that's becoming a sort of a. Uh, you know, you may be some sort of appraisal. Um, you give give to your um, give to your mentor, uh, shall we say, or your mentee. Sorry, um, and then you become a middle manager. So you may be managing first line managers, for instance, senior management, and then of course executive or leadership um, uh, scenarios as well. And each of these have different skill sets. And just to think that you just develop them as you go along. You just learn. Okay, well, it's just you know, you're giving someone to actually mentor. I like mentoring and coaching people, therefore I should be a good mentor and coach. But it's also, there's a lot of information out there. So, you know, what happens, it's great when things go right in terms of your line management duties, but what I'm saying, if there is some sort of corrective behavior you need to address, or maybe there are some, um, 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 some issues you need to address within your, your team, for instance. So it could be that, um, you know, there's something that's gone wrong on site and first time, you know, maybe sort of, sort of uh, learning. It could be that you need to find out reasons why something's gone wrong. But then it's all corrected, you know, that there's training in place and you, that's great. But what happens if this is repeated, you know, so what happens if it's a repetitive sort of um, um, uh, errors that have been made by maybe one of your, your people? How do you deal with that? You know, is it sort of a, you know, do you come down, you know, as a disciplinary, or is it something that actually that you need to find out the reasons why behind, you know, why are these people or why is this person making a certain error? Equally so, raising them up as well, supporting them, and actually making them shine as um, individuals. Um, it, it, all this takes a lot of training, you know. So, and it's no, I mean. People are leaving our industry. People are no doubt leaving ecological consultancy and other ecological and environmental jobs because what we think we're we're getting better at this, but I think what we're historically poor at actually developing the skills we need as managers. And I, I just wanted to. I, I think this is really important. I'm quite passionate about it. Um, you know, there's a lot of I say training courses out there for management, but in my opinion, nothing really that sort of. Um, covers what we do as ecologists or environmental um, sort of um, managers and environmental leaders and something that I think we, you know, we're trying to address in the Ecology Academy itself. And uh, um, I think we just want to spend a little bit of time about how, how you, the different types, types of management. As I say, I've managed, talked about first line management, middle, senior and leadership roles. But there's other areas as well. So, you know, the, how, as a manager, we know we need to, back, you know, how do we think? You know what? What is our thought process? 
and at a very early stages, you know, it's um, you may uh, and and you have to adapt. I think management, a good manager, is also being able to adapt their lead management style to the individual. So there's not just one form of management. You know, there are multiple forms of management, and you have to tailor your tailor your management skills to the individual to get the best out of them. Make sure they, you know, they, you know, they can perform to their best of their ability too. And I think that's what it is. It's moving away as a manager. Obviously, you've got your duties to ensure that something gets done and it gets done correctly, safely. And then, as you move up, you know, in terms of um, the leadership style, it's ensuring that your team has the resources enable them to actually um, deliver uh, on the, on their responsibilities too. So. In the very early stages of management, for instance, it could be you call it reactionary, you know, a reactionary manager. And this is what I'm going to say here. All these styles apply at certain times. There's no right one and nothing you should be building up towards um, itself. It's just having these, all these in your toolbox, should we say. So first of all, let, the basic form of management is reactionary. Reactionary is that um, all the decisions need to come from you. Okay. Everything comes from you. You tell an individual what to do. They do it. Okay, and then you, you basically roll up your sleeves and you just help out. So you know you get them to do the job. Any problems, you're there to correct it. Okay, that's a reactionary measure. It leads on to sort of a next stage, I think, which is about a controlling sort of manager. And controlling is just same as a little bit. Oh, well, I don't want to be a controlling manager. Sometimes you have to be controlling because of the individuals you're working with. Now. Controlling doesn't mean that, okay, well, maybe if you are a first line manager or middle manager, um, the controlling part of your management style, for instance, may not be so forthcoming if it's more of a competent person you're dealing with. Maybe that's a, a little more of a directionary sort of management style. Um, but certainly maybe with, with an early career ecologist, you need to be, have that reactionary and also controlling sort of uh, management styles in order to help them out. So controlling is all about the team itself, you know, making sure that team pulls together. Reactionary is about probably the individual level. Uh, controlling is a bit more about moving on to the team itself and looking about uh, um, how to delegate, for instance, start of delegating tasks out to individuals. Um, next stage could be, it is about direction. So giving people direction. So now that this person has maybe got a bit more competence in this particular area. So rather than actually just telling them what to do and making sure and putting in little um, milestones for them and to come back to you to check. And to, so you can you know, say it's that reaction and control level. Now directing is giving them more autonomy to actually undertake the task themselves. So you can sort of your contribution is through others, you know. So, um, so their task, they deliver the task, and uh, you know, together as a team, then you know, it's you've let them decide how they're going to undertake it. You know, maybe some milestones and sort of uh, uh, some um, corrective measures in there, but you know, you can at the moment you're you're going to say this person is now a little bit more competent. You're going to put in sort of a little bit more of autonomy to that individual. And then we're moving through to maybe even facilitating and leading people. So the, the sort of um, higher ends now facilitating is you let them come up with their own solutions. Uh, so, you know, they come up with, they may come with, to you with a question, for instance, or a, a problem. That, and you, it's coaching, mentoring them, enabling them to find their own solution. So um, there's great reward. So this moves away from that re reacting, controlling, and maybe directing sort of leadership style to more as a facilitating area. So we're, you're helping them learn themselves. So they're developing their own self-awareness 
and also their own skill set in terms of actually developments. And then finally, yeah, leadership. So management, leadership, okay, it's, it's sort of a crossover points. You can be a great manager, but a very poor leader, for instance. You may be a great uh, controlling manager. And I say, there's nothing bad about being a controlling manager in the right aspects. Um, but you could be a poor leader, for instance. So, you know, it's more strategic led. It's about creating clarity and also about uh, being an ambassador to these to, to, to your, your people as well. And this is more, as I say, you probably wouldn't be leading people or leading teams at, uh, at the very first, as a first line manager. It's more about um, sort of, I'd say, that reactionary controlling, directing sort of stages. And just think about how you could do this. I mean, there are courses out there that um, run for maybe six days, you know, so, uh, you know, you can have a whole week of leadership and management training and they sort of tend to bundle it all in together as well. So like six days worth or, you know, occasionally 14 days worth or, of um, leadership and management training. And that's great if it's all, uh, you know, I'm sure it's all gives you an insight into things, but um it's rather rushed, in my opinion, in terms of the, you know, again, my leadership, my, my sort of, sorry, learning style is that I have to go, you know, away and reflect upon the learning itself. And I can't implement it all in one go. So, you know, you may have all this great information about right from first line management all the way up to, um, I'd say, being a leader. And you've got all this information in front of you. But, um, you know, how do you, um, how do you implement it? So it, it, it's, you don't have that opportunity, especially if you're a first line manager and all of a sudden now you're being focused with, you know, you've been tasked to actually then lead. You know, it, it's, it's something that um, I think it takes time. You know, you're going to learn, you need to learn from sort of your own mistakes, learn from other people's opinions, have a mentor yourself, be coach yourself. So, you know, I personally have a, a coach and a mentor and I can't, and I always will. You know, because uh, I don't, I know that I don't know everything. <laughs> you know, I don't think anyone should, you know, does know everything. And also I can improve. If I did know a lot, I'm sure there are different ways and different ways of doing things. And d just because some, somewhere, someone does something differently doesn't mean it's wrong. Just means there's different ways of actually achieving things. So there's a lot of different things we can look at. So there's the manager's mindset, for instance. So what the manager does and how they contribute for others, including their own personal learning and reflection styles. Courage, I mean, how much courage do you have? Do you need courage? A growth mindset, we've heard about that before. And also about psychological safety, making sure that you are comfortable in um, your competency itself. I mean, are you supported? Then there's also, of course, about um, it, you know different areas like building effective line management relationships. So understanding yourself and others. There's also you know um, how do you perform? How, you know, how do you, how do you manage performance of other people? And um, so that could be through goal setting. So a goal setting for other people as well as yourself. Looking at uh, your one to ones, your appraisals, personal development pa pa uh, plans. How you manage your time? How you manage their time? prioritization, all these different sort of management styles that you may need to actually develop. And I don't think this can be achieved upon like a six day course at all. Uh, other areas, what about delegation and empowerment? So, you know, how do you delegate things out? When is the right time to delegate out a task? And um, it, it, some people are so controlling that they really, one of their sort of, um, I suppose, I say faults, one of their things they need to be aware of is that um, they are controlling the sort of um, 
the whole aspects of it may be a, a, a survey itself. So they're the ones that all the way undertake the survey or they're the ones that always undertake the um, report writing or the quality assurance, the QA part of the, of the, of the uh, report itself. But sometimes you need to let go of the vine, uh, as I'm trying to do, you know, let go of the vine and delegate out certain tasks. And you have to ex anticipate that they will do it differently. So everyone's going to do something differently. It may not be the way you've done it or you would have done it. Doesn't mean it's wrong. Okay. So, uh, you know, just how you adapt your management style and approach suit the person. So situational leadership, listening, as I say, communication, it's about listening. It's about questioning and also those coaching areas as well. And empowerment, giving them a chance, give them the opportunity and the freedom and the security to, uh, to make mistakes. Okay. So, you know, I'm sure you know everyone will make a mistake at some point. It's how we learn from our mistakes. Okay, so you know if we keep repeating those mistakes, you know that's not good management. It's not good leadership. You know it's not accountability. There's no account uh, accountability there. You know we just need to have ensure that you know we do support those people and they're encouraged. It's not like a a fear of failure in some companies. You know uh, the fact that um, you can't. It's asking questions. So in some organisations, and I'm sure very few in ecological and environmental sector jobs, but you know there are a few out there. Um, it's that fear of failure. You have to put on a face, a mask, in order to actually move on and and through your uh, sort of a management career. Now, clearly, if people are failing, you're going to have to have a sort of, some sort of difficult conversation with them, and it has to be thought out, well thought out. So it has to be sort of. Um, evidence-based you know how you know, analytical so what are the reasons behind um, the actions that the other person has has, um, has taken so it's about managing performance and equally it's also having the ability to say no to others and 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 finally I think I think just to leave you with this now is also about resilience and well-being you know um, I think my role as a manager has certainly changed over 20 plus years you know before you know about uh, but well-being was probably very much low down, if not even talked about, as part of uh, our management style training at all. You know, it just literally, old-fashioned, really just put up and shut up. You know, it is literally just get on with the job. Don't hear moaning. Just bring me solutions. Don't give me your problems. You know, and, and there's some companies out there who still still go by that mantra. You know, don't bring me problems bring me solutions and so and that's uh, uh, that's 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 great if you're supported and, and and there's other areas to go to but if he's just literally out of, of uh, pressure on the managers because they don't want to hear your problems that's certainly going to be an issue for the development of your own company you as an individual and certainly you know as you as uh, you know that whole toxic sort of culture there within your that within that company itself so it's looking about managing your own energy managing the energy of others looking at boundaries you know, you know when is you know what what when is it right to do something? When is it wrong to do something? Inappropriate? You know, it's looking at those situations, having the ability to raise your voice as well, being open, honest, transparent, all those different areas, being able to contribute, um, to um, um, to, to to maybe someone gives you feedback. You know, actually receiving that feedback, you have to be open and honest yourself. Coping under pressure, you know, looking at this, there's no doubt we all are under stress and under strain at certain points of our life. Okay, um, you know, being overworked, 
I think it's just that, uh, you know, it will happen at some point, but it's, it's whether or not that's prolonged. So it's looking at the resilience and well-being, you know, before it's ensuring that, okay, in high periods of stress, there are opportunities then to, okay, relieve that stress and also identify the reasons what's causing it and maybe trying to alleviate that. But um, it probably won't be eliminated entirely. So it's, it's also being self-aware of those uh, areas looking at um, how you cope and the mechanisms you put um, yourself as a manager because one thing you know you, you may be a great manager you may be great at supporting your individual your, your your team great at supporting individuals but who supports you so you got to look at you know this is why we've got you know first line managers middle managers senior managers and executive level everyone has a responsibility for someone okay so leaders do not because they're at the top of the chain, shall we say that you know they do not, you know, um, they still have responsibility for others as well. You know, it's not something you can just delegate out. Is that um, you know that uh, okay? Well, I'm just going to look after myself. You know, it doesn't it? it, it uh, you have to look as a manager, managing your team, managing individuals, but also remembering to look after yourself, and that's the part of this being self-aware. So. Um, as I say, I'm going to leave you with that. I mean, as I say, there's many topics we need to look at in terms of your own skill set for this year, for 2023. So whether they be the technical skills, and I say I'll put the technical and transferable skills onto the show notes. Have a look at them wherever you've got this podcast or you listen to this podcast. Have a look at the notes. Have a look at the link. Get the skills wheel if you need it. If not, I mean, I say we are developing some sort of a management training um, course now coming up, uh, which, should, which should be no surprise to you, because I think I'm quite passionate about the fact that, um, that, that you know, we as managers, we are we need to be supported, we need to be empowered, we need to be trained just as much as um, we have been upon our maybe technical skills. You know, it's not something you can learn overnight. It's many years. We we might will make mistakes. Also, don't think it's a course, uh, something you can learn um, on a six-day training course, for instance. It is going to be a long-term investment. The skills you need to know now, maybe if you're coming into management, being pro- progression, your career progression is moving on from being a consultant to actually yeah, a consultant to like some sort of manager, uh, and your first time, and you may be put off because you're thinking, I'm, I, I don't want to manage people, and that could be because you're not supported in terms of your own management style or you don't know until you actually have a go and you may think actually once you're supported and given the tools in order to help you help others that changes a whole the whole level you know it really does make it a hell of a lot of difference you know if you've got the skill so think about it undertaking maybe a great question new survey if someone just told you to go out and do a great question you'd survey, there'd be a lot of research you'd have to do yourself and try and find out and you know there's be good, there's gonna be a lot of trial and error there. All of a sudden you realise, oh I didn't realise I needed a license to do something. You know, there's you wouldn't do it. You know, you would get the there's training from individuals, training from your your you know, your manager, training upon um, external courses of how to deliver, how to undertake a species survey. It's no different to management. Okay, don't think you should go it alone. I think you need to be supported. I think there should be support out there. And hence, I think that's the reason why we're developing this, all these, these courses. So do stay tuned for that over the next quarter, this, um, the next few months. Something that'll be happening maybe towards the tail end of the year, by the way. So it's, it's, it's something that we're looking at towards uh, October time. But anyway, that's all for now. As I say, a very happy new year to you all. 
hope you get what uh, you know. You know, you hope hope this year you, you know you get what you want, and you're looking towards uh, progressing towards that career itself. But for now, thank you for joining me on the Ecology Academy podcast. If you enjoy our show and want to help, then please click on the subscribe button and rate us on your favourite podcast player, as that's how you can inspire ecologists in the making, help retain great talent and provide insights of our industry to a much wider audience of why ecology really does matter. Thank you.